Hey guys, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to thank you for tuning in to our sermon today. At TC, we exist to see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Good morning, TC. Let's give it up for Jesus one more time across this place. Man, it's good to be with you guys. We're so excited about all that God is doing. If you can't, if you had noticed, there's some things changing around here. Uh, and so we are, uh, we've actually entered the first phase of our renovations here on TC campus. And so um, all the expansion and stuff is starting. It's starting in this room and then we're going to continue to work our way out from here. So uh, if you're new, it doesn't always look like this. We're not in a fixer upper series or something like that. Uh, uh, we just, uh, it takes a little longer than four days to make some things happen. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And so, uh, so bear with us as we're in construction mode, but the good news is October 22nd, I'm looking at Justin cause he knows, uh, October 22nd, we're actually going to be able to, uh, share with you finally some big picture that's going to help you guys, uh, see what is going to be happening on campus. So if you don't have plans for October 22nd, you better be here. All right. So, um, but what you're seeing is kind of the first phase of all that and, uh, getting ready for all that God is going to do. All right. Um, how many guys remember your parents lying to you? Right? How many of you, now that you're an adult, you realize how much your parents lied to you? Come on, anybody help me out, right? Uh, there are certain things my parents told us, or our parents told us growing up that I was like, now that you're an adult, I'm like, that ain't even close to true, right? Here's one that I bet you can relate to. How many guys remember that you can't turn the light on in the car or else we'll get pulled over nonsense? <laughs> It's nighttime, don't turn the light on, the cops will pull us over. That's a lie, that ain't never happened to nobody. Right? So, so I remember stuff like that. And, and if you're a teenager, maybe you can relate to, I don't know. Never mind. I don't feel like we as parents tell our kids that because we're like, now we grow up, we're like, that's a lie, man. I don't want to raise my kids in that. Anyway, so, but all that to say is uh, we, we can all relate to that in some sh shape, form, or fashion. But I remember, uh, I, I'm an old school kind of cat a little bit when it comes to cars. I worked on cars a lot. And, and one of the things that I've noticed is how the newer cars have some crazy technology in them. And uh, one of the ones that kind of surprised me, I didn't realize it, uh, some of the newer cars, if you're driving, as you speed up, the volume increases. And so, like, you'll be going faster. And before you realize it, the volume's getting louder. And I already listened to my radio on loud, right? So, uh, and so before you know it, like, you're going down the interstate. And if you have the right song, you could be going a buck 40 and not realize it. You know what I mean? You're just... You're just in it today, all right? So, um, and so, I, I, man, that happened to me recently. Matter of fact, I went on a road trip recently. And I get on the road trip, and so I turn on the music, and we got it bumping in there, and like, yeah, I'm vibing. Mm, you know what I mean? We're just like, yeah, we're rolling. But then the person in the car with me, one of the guys gets on the cell phone, he's talking to somebody. And so he's, he's talking on the phone. And so I'm like, hey, listen, I need you to like, you know, but we're vibing. And so he's talking on the phone, so it's getting louder. And then the, the, you get on the interstate, the road noise picks up, right? And so it's, it's like getting louder in the car. We're speeding up, the volume's getting louder. My brother's next to me, he's watching a video or playing a video game on full volume on his cell phone, like no one else is in the car with him, right? And then I got two guys in the far back, they're telling jokes and they're laughing. And so we're going on the road. And so the music's getting louder and then the phone call's getting louder and then everything's getting louder and then the jokes are getting louder and then the cell phone is getting louder and then everything's getting louder and then it's getting chaotic. And I was like, oh my God. So well, finally I just hit the power button and that was what I needed. So I'm quiet, right? Have you ever been in a season of life where you just needed to hit the power button? 
<laughs> where it's like everything in life. And it's like as you started going faster, as life started getting more chaotic, then it started getting louder. And your, your thoughts are running away from you and things are getting even more busy. And then your boss is losing their mind. Or if you're a teenager, maybe your parents are losing their minds, it seems like. Or, or something's going on at school. And just what it's like, man, things are. And the, the crazier things get, the more you're just like, I just need to find a power button. I need to shut this whole thing down. Anybody ever been there before? Right? For some of you, like, I just need to, I need to get away from all what Tommy Pickles calls my responsibilities. You know? <laughs> so, I, I just, I, I, I need a break. And, and here's the deal. I think so many people, the way m- many of us live our lives is we live our lives just looking for the power button of chaos in our mind. Like, we're looking for how to change our thoughts. And here's the question that I have for you. Have you ever realized how loud the volume of your mind gets, even though you never turned up the volume? Like, have you ever realized you could, you'll wake up one day and things are good. Maybe it's on a Monday because you went to church yesterday. And you're like, today's going to be good. This is the day that the Lord has made, right? I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Come on. Some of y'all were raised with us. There you go. You're good. And and before you know it, come Tuesday afternoon, it's like things are spinning again. Right. And what happens is our thoughts tend to run away from us sometimes so fast and so crazy. It becomes hard to focus. Listen to me on what God wants you to do and what God wants you to be, because all you can hear is the whirlwind and the chaos of how your thoughts are moving. And when that happens, here's what many of us are tempted to do. Right. Matter of fact, here's some things that I bet some of us have thought to ourselves when life gets that way. Here's some of them. Here's the first one. Just stop thinking about it. Anybody? Anybody ever done it successfully? No, right? Just stop thinking about it. And then you're having an argument with yourself. Yeah, I would love to stop thinking about it. And then, you have, you, then you're talking back and people in your office are like, man, that's weird. <laughs> right? Here's another one you've probably said to yourself. Why do you keep doing this to yourself? Just stop it. Anybody? Why do you keep letting your mind go? Just stop it. And, and, and then, then here's another one I think many of us have said to ourselves. If you could just stop thinking like this, you'd be fine. And you're like, I know, but I can't. (laughs) Because here's the reality. All it takes is one text message to send you into a whirlwind. Right? All it takes is one text message from your boss that says, hey, I need to talk to you. And you're going, oh, no. Right? All it takes is one text message from your kid's school saying, hey, we need you to come down here. And parents are like, oh, Right? Kids, all it takes is one text message from your parents saying, you wait till you get home. And you're like, ooh, do I even need to go home? What do I have with me that I could survive on for the rest of my life, right? Marcus Aurelius says this, a man's life is what his thoughts make it. And I think that's true. Now, I'm not talking about manifesting or manifestation where if you think it, you can create something out of thin air. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the direction of your life is dictated by the way that you think. And for many of us, we're having a hard time getting our thoughts in line with what God says and what God wants. And that's what I want to talk to you about today because here's the reality. What fills your mind will eventually fill your life. What fills your mind will eventually fill your life. And so what we have to do is we have to really start paying attention to what's filling our mind and recognizing the impact that it has on our life. 
because it has an impact on our life. And so what is it that God wants us to do? Well, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5, this is what we've been using all series. But let's look at what it says. God says this, the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. In other words, we're not fighting with, with swords or guns or any of those things. It's not, it's not tangible weapons. What are they? They have divine power to demolish strongholds. What are strongholds? Listen to me. Strongholds start here and here, not out here. So, so then it goes on to say, we destroy arguments and all arrogance that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take every what? Thought captive. We take every thought captive and we make it obedient to Christ. So listen, God's desire is that we would change the way we think because if we change the way we think, we change the way we live. And God wants us to live the way he's designed us to live. He wants the life for us that he's called us to. So let me give you two truths real quick to help you understand how we're kicking this off. Because I believe many of us, we live our life constantly looking for the, for the volume button. We, look, we live our life looking for the on-off switch of our thoughts. We think if we could just turn off the bad thoughts once and for all, we could live the life God wants for us. Anybody been there before? Right? Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking to me. All right? Now turn to the person you just neglected on the other side of you. Right? And say, he's talking to you. Okay? All right? Now look at him and say, mind your business. How about that? All right? You don't know my life. All right. So here's the reality. Here's, here's, here's the reality. You don't get to turn off your thoughts. It'll never happen as bad as you may want to. So, so here's what you have to recognize. You'll never change your thoughts as long as you're focused on turning off the bad ones. You'll never change your thought. If, if you spend your whole life just trying to figure out a way to turn off the bad thoughts, don't think that. Don't think that. Don't think that. Listen to me. You'll spend your whole life chasing something you'll never achieve. But you can, say can, you can change your thoughts if you focus on turning down the volume of the wrong ones so that you can focus on the right things. So it's not about turning them off. It's about turning them down. So what we have to do, we have to figure out how to do that, right? And here's the deal. Next week, we're going to talk about not just changing your thoughts, but choosing your thoughts and how we can actually align ourselves with God and how the gospel can change us from the inside out. We're going to do that next week, which next week is October 1st, which is Friends Day. Come on, somebody. So I hope you got somebody picked out for um, that's coming with you next week. If you don't, there's invite cards in the lobby. One that says they belong here. That's an instruction card for how you can invite someone to church. Six easy steps. And then there's one that says you belong here. And that's what you're going to give to somebody. Let them know you belong in here. Sit with me at church this weekend. Bring, if everybody brings one person next week, that would be unreal for how God is going to train. Can you imagine baptisms next month if we all brought one person next Sunday and half of them gave their life to Jesus, right? We'd have to do it in the parking lot. Praise God. All right. So, and I'm fine with it. Okay. So all that to say, bring somebody with you. We're going to see God do amazing things in people's lives, right? We want to see God transform our community, our city, but more important, listen to me, use your sphere of influence. But listen, it's going to start with us. And that's why this series is so important. We got to let God transform how we think so that he can transform others. And I think for many of us, we look at the Bible and we've even posted stuff on our Instagram or TikTok or whatever. Like we, we, we look at the Bible and here's some scriptures that when we look at them, we like to hear them. But when we think about it, we, they seem impossible, right? Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. 
And you're, in my mind, I'm like, how? Like, I don't have any problem rejoicing, but always? Anybody ever gone through something where you don't know if you could rejoice? Anybody ever been there before? Like, life went a little sideways on you? Like, just rejoice. Like, have joy constantly. Always be in a rejoiceful place. Well, that seems difficult. How do I do that? Here's another one. This is my favorite, Philippians 4, 8. Don't be anxious about anything. You're like, sure. Right? Here's another one, Philippians 4, 8. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, right? Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything's excellent or praiseworthy, listen, just think about those things. Don't think about the other things. You're like, yeah, except my parents have lost their mind. My boss is, never mind, we won't use those words, like we, right, like, I would love to only think about those things. And so what happens, right? We look at verses. Here's what we do. We look at verses and we see their application, but we don't know how to get to them. How to, so, so listen, I can read Philippians 4 and all the verses that are found in it, but, and, and I read all the things that I'm supposed to feel, but I don't know how to access those. Well, here's the deal. We're going to show you today exactly how you can do that because what we love to do is we love to post the parts of the verse or read the parts of the verse, or we love to even quote the parts of the verse that seem good to us, but we, we ignore the parts of the verse that tell us how it's possible. And today I want to show you how it's possible, but I also want to show you the five things that God tells us to do. And the first one is this. we got to develop an attitude of gratitude. we got to develop an attitude of gratitude. Did you know that the part of your brain that, that takes anxiety is also the part of your brain that processes thanks, thankfulness? And that it is impossible to be in a state of anxiety when you're in a state of thanksgiving? So, so hear me. If you're in a place of being thankful, you're not in a place of being anxious because you're grateful for where you are rather than wishing you were somewhere else. And so for many of us, what we need to do is to get an attitude of gratitude. Listen, you may not be where you want to be right now. You may not even be where you planned on being. Maybe, maybe you planned on being married by now or having a different kind of marriage than you have right now. But listen to me, you're not where you could be if God had not brought you this far. And so where we need to be grateful for where we are rather than wishing we were somewhere else. But here's the reality, right? If you were where you wish you were, listen to me, you would wish you were somewhere else. So we need to get grateful for where we are rather than wishing we were in a different place. Because even if we were there, we, were, we would wish we were in a different place again. We need to be grateful. God, thank you for where you brought me from. I don't even deserve where I'm at, but you brought me here. And, I, and I'm going to be grateful for where you've brought me to. That's why Philippians 4, 4 through 5, rejoice in the Lord always. And then he says this, I'll say it again. In case you didn't hear me, Paul says. Right? I told you to rejoice, but in case, in case while you're trying to rejoice, all you're still seeing is your circumstances, I'll say it again. Rejoice. You know what that tells me? It's going to be a choice, not a feeling. There's going to be times you don't feel like rejoicing, and you're going to make the conscious decision to rejoice, even though you don't feel rejoiceful, right? And it goes on to say, let your gentleness be evident to all. And how, why is any of this possible? What does that last part say? The Lord is near. So how is it possible that you can rejoice always? Listen, it's not because you have supernatural strength. It's not because you're great. It's not because the circumstances might change. It's because regardless of where you go, God is near. 
So, so because he's near, you can rejoice. And, and, and near in two ways. One, he's near as in God literally is close to us. The Holy Spirit dwells within the believer. And so we literally have God dwelling with us. And so the Lord is near to us. Listen, there's nowhere you go and no circumstance you face where God's not only well aware of it, he's present with you in it. Right, so, so we have that, but listen, also the coming of the Lord is near. Meaning, meaning the, the day that we get to see him face to face and be with him for all eternity, it is near. And so we celebrate that God is not only with us, but he's also coming to take us to the place where we'll be with him forever. And since both of those things are serious and both of those things are real and both of those things are present, listen to me, rejoice. Be grateful because God's got you. And so that's why I think we could look at like Psalm 37, 4, and it says this, take delight in all the things the world has to offer. Wait, is that what it says? Take delight in your career. Take delight in that your kids haven't lost their mind today. Take delight in that promotion. Take delight in that paycheck. Take delight in that degree. Take delight in that teenagers. Take delight in that your parents haven't lost their mind today, right? Take, take, take delight. What? No, no, no. Where are we supposed to take delight? Lord. But how many of us are guilty at putting our delight in all the things that could change tomorrow? So here we are delighting in circumstantial parts of our lives, not realizing the only part of our life that will never change is God, and that's where our delight is supposed to be. Listen, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So what are we saying here? Listen, for the record, the desires of your heart aren't the things you want. It's the things he wants for you because he's going to change your heart to what, what he wants for you. So it's, it's not, but it's not just an attitude of gratitude. Here's the part that we got to recognize, right? We got to pray about it more than we complain about it. <laughs> we got to pray about it more than we complain about it. Now go ahead and say it. I don't like that one. I don't like that one, right? Because we want to complain about it more than we pray about it. Why? And here's the reality. If we're, if we're all honest, here's the deal, right? Because what we want, we want sympathy more than we want change. So I, I want to complain to people because I want people to give me sympathy about where I'm at. Because if they give me sympathy for where I'm at, at least I know people feel bad for me. And if people feel bad for me, at least I feel better, right? Because I have people sympathizing with where I'm at. But why is it that we want to take people, we want to take our problems to people that can do nothing about them, meanwhile ignoring the one that can do everything about them? Listen, the only person that can change your situation is God. Now, don't get me wrong, you have a part to play, and maybe your boss will be the one to actually give you the promotion. But listen to me, God is your provider, right? And so we got we to gotta pray about it more than we complain about it because there's one person that can actually change our situation and our circumstances, and that's God. That's why Philippians 4, right, 6 through 7, let's go there. What does it say? Do not be anxious about anything. We read that earlier. Don't like it, right? But in every situation, say every prayer and petition with thanksgiving, what do we do? Where do we take them? Present your request to God. And guess what will happen? The peace of God that transcends all understanding. That means the peace that comes from God that doesn't even make sense that you have it, it'll guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So, so literally, when we go to God with it, what are we doing? We're seeing him transform the way we think. 
So that's what's so beautiful about what God is doing here. That's why Psalm uh, 94, 19 says this. When my, David's writing, he says, when my anxious thoughts overwhelm me, your comfort delights my soul. Listen to me. There's one place of peace, and it's with God. Your circumstances aren't a place of peace. It's one place of peace with God. That's why we have to intentionally put our attention on God. And one of the greatest ways we can do that is this. Listen, create time to meditate on what you want to remember. Create time to meditate on what you want to remember. Because here's the deal. We don't just need to read our Bibles and pray. We need to meditate on what God is actually saying, right? I don't know about you. I can be guilty of this, and I'm a pastor. So if you, if you, if you struggle with this, feel better about yourself, okay? But treating all the spiritual parts of our life like a checklist that we just need to get done rather than actually meditate on so it changes our hearts, right? So like, I need to read my Bible today. So we read the chapters, and then we're like, cool, check. I need to pray today. All right, God, I need you to like help my parents not go crazy today, right? Um, I need my boss this, my school this, my degree this, whatever. I, I need all of these things. Thank you. All right, I prayed. Check, right? All right, now, now I, need to, I need to spend some time with like whatever it is, uh, worshiping. Like check, right? That person cut me off in traffic. I didn't lose my temper or cuss them out. Check. All right, so like, and what are we doing? Like we're, go, we're, go, we're going, we're treating all of these things that we think are godly like a checklist we need to get done so that we can get back to our life. But that's not the way we're supposed to approach God at all, right? We're not supposed to view it as a checklist. We're supposed to meditate on how God wants to change our heart. It's not a brief stop in. It's something we should continually stay in. Philippians 4, let's go back. That's where we're staying all day. What does it say? Verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, meditate on those things. Because guess what? You're already meditating. You're just meditating on the wrong things. Like, how many of us? You, you. How many of us has the boss given us a text message or that situation happened, and we just sit there chewing on it all day long? We're like, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. Like the possibility of whatever it is. But here's the deal: we have to meditate. And in, in, in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, the language that was written in the word meditate has two different types of meanings. The first one is like a murmuring man is kind of what the language uses. In other words, someone that's walking around repeating the same thing over and over again. So they're, just, they're, they're trying to remember. And so there's a level of meditating where you're just repeating it to yourself over and over and over again. I want to remember this. I want to remember this, right? Uh, there's a, there was a, a, a great philosophical movie that came out in the early 2000s called Finding Nemo. And so... <laughs> And there's, a, there's an element to that movie where this, this shows up, right? Anybody ever heard of P. Sherman, 42, Wallaby Way, Sydney? <laughs> Why? Because she's just swimming around. P. Sherman, 42, Wallaby Way, Sydney. P. Sherman, 42, Wallaby Way, Sydney. Why do I, at 36 years old, still remember P. Sherman, 42, Wallaby Way, Sydney? You want to know why? Because she said it over and over and over and over again that now P. Sherman, 42, Wallaby Way, Sydney, right? Like, and here's the reality. That is actually the type of thing that meditate is representing. There's a degree of how in our lives we need to constantly bring back to our memory the same thing. We're trying to make ourselves remember, meditate on, so that it, listen, it gets past our mind into our hearts. Like it, it needs to start changing us, but reading it one time is not going to do it. Which brings me to the second thing 
of what the word meditate means, and, and it's kind of gross, but I'll give it to you anyways. It, it, if you ever heard the phrase, chew the cud, right? Some of you are like, don't talk to me like that. So, no, but <laughs> chewing the cud, what, what it means is for cows, when they're eating grass, they want to get all the nutrients out of the grass. So they'll eat the grass, they'll chew on it, they'll swallow it, they'll bring it back out of their stomach, chew on it more, get the nutrients out of it, swallow it, bring it back out of their stomach, chew on it more, get the nutrients out of it, swallow it. They'll do that over and over and over again until they get all the nutrients out of the grass and then they'll process it, right? And that's literally the way that the Bible references what meditation looks like because not, it's not just that we take this and we read it. God wants us to bring it back up and chew on it and meditate on it and get all we can out of it. And then we digest it. And then what do we do? We bring it back up and we're going to chew on it. We're going to meditate on it. We're going to get everything we can out of it. And then we're going to digest it. And what we do, we're going to bring it back. What, is, what are we doing? when we meditate, we're going over and over and over again the same things that God's already said once, but we need to hear it multiple times. That's what it means to meditate on what God is saying. We're going we're gonna to keep bringing it back up. We're going to keep repeating it. What are we doing? We're trying to make sure that God's word is getting into our head, but also into our heart because that's where transformation happens, right? And so as we do that, we're seeing God. That's why I believe for many of us, Bible reading needs to be more about quality than it is quantity. Who cares that you read 37 chapters if you didn't digest any of it that it stuck with you? And so we need to, now, now if you're not doing anything, definitely read whatever. But like, we need to recognize God wants to transform us more than he wants to inform us. Okay? So we need to get to that place. And then it can take us to the next one where we need to find an output that will help us focus on the outcome. We need to find an output, an action, a place of movement. We need to find an output that will help us focus on the outcome. In other words, we need to find a way that we are intentionally going to the place that we want God to transform. We need to, we need to find a, so what am I doing? My output for some of us, we need to get into a small group. We need to go to next steps. We need to find a team that we're going to serve on. Why? We're finding the output that's going to get us to our outcome. Because listen to me, for many of us, we're letting the input of the world dictate where we go rather than letting the output of our lives dictate where we go. Rather than being intentional about where God wants us to be, we're letting everything that's going on around us dictate the path that we take. But I'm here to tell you, we need to find an output. We need to get intentional about where we're going and the space that we're going in and how God wants to use that. Why? Because then we can get intentional about the outcome, right? We talked about finding Nemo. I'll, I'll reference another thing from that, right? Anybody remember Dory? Remember her saying, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. And I think for some of us, just keep swimming, swimming. Like, for some of we need to live our life with a focus on, man, just keep moving. Just keep going. Like, yeah, this isn't where I want to be, but it's not where I'm stopping. Listen, you might be in a valley, but don't build a house there. Because listen to me, it takes two mountaintops to create one valley. So get focused on where God wants you to be rather than just living in the place that you are. Let's just keep moving. Just keep moving, right? I'm going to serve. I'm going to get into groups. I'm going to take the next steps. I'm moving forward. I'm not just going to be stagnant right here. I'm going to find the place that God wants me to be. Why? Because I'm not just going to dwell here. I'm finding where God wants me to be because there's a life God wants me to live. I want to keep moving. I want to keep going. I want to go to the next thing. But listen, you got to find an output. you got to find a way that you're going to move forward. You gotta, it's going to be tangible steps. A lot of us, we want physical outcomes because of mental uh, thoughts. We, we want to think one way and we just think it's going to manifest. No, no, no. Listen to me. We got to make a decision. We're going to move forward. And so God has a desire to keep us going forward. That's why Philippians 4, 9, he says this, whatever you've learned from me and received from me or seen in me, listen, 
put it into practice. So there's a tangible element of action that is required for us as we follow God. And so we have to keep moving forward. We have to keep finding ourselves going in the right direction. Because listen to me, if you want an outcome, it's going to require something of you. And a lot of us, we're just waiting on God to whoop a different circumstance in our life. Come on, anybody ever been there before? Whoop that's a that's a spiritual word. Comes, it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't come out of the Bible. But it, we want God to just set in our lap different circumstances because we prayed about it. But a lot of times, listen to me, the, the, the different circumstances that God is wanting to give us is on the other side of us saying yes to the thing that makes us uncomfortable. Growth has never led, or growth has never come from comfortability. It's always come from uncomfortability. Like, what, what is it you want and what is it you're doing to get there, right? Uh, I recently, so personally, I, I recently hired a personal trainer. He's in the room. I hate you, dog. <laughs> and so, uh, no, but in all seriousness, like, what, it, like, even from a physical perspective, like, I took a step back about four months ago, and I said, you know what, I, there's a different place I want to be personally. Like, our church is going to go to four services soon, right? Like, I need to start taking care of me, because if I take better care of me, I can take better care of you. And so I took a step back, and I said, I need to, I, I want to change my life. And so I hired somebody, you know, you know, there's been days where I was supposed to meet him, and I ain't want to go. I didn't want to go. But you remember what I, re- you want to know what I remembered? I already paid him. <clears throat> so, so I was like, man, let me get in this car, <laughs> right? And I drove over there because I was already invested. So I already knew what outcome I was going to have. And some of us, listen, you got to get invested if you want a different outcome. You got to start putting some hands and feet to where you want to be. And listen to me, for some of us, like for, for some of you, you're willing to do it in your corporate life. You're willing to do it in your professional life. You're willing to do it in your relationships, but you're not willing to do it in your spiritual life. And so here we are trying to get ourselves to the right place, but we can't get ourselves to the right place. Listen to me. You won't wake up one day and just be where you think you want to be. You're going to have to get yourself there, right? And so here's the reality. we got to take ourselves to that place. And it's all going to start with the last thing I want to give you today, and that's realizing that releasing leads to resting. Releasing leads to resting. And in, I think for many of us, what we are looking to accomplish and what we're trying to get to and the place we're trying to be, we think we're just going to wake up one day and be there. And I'm going to tell you, that's not necessarily the case. Like That's not necessarily how that's going to go. And the reality is in our lives, True rest is found in letting God have control of what you want control over. So releasing is found in our, our resting is found in our releasing, right? In, in Philippians 4.9, it says this, and the God of peace will be with you. Because here's the deal. If we do all those things, then the God of peace can be with us. But if we don't do any of those things, then the God of peace can't be with us. And so what do we have to do? We have to get ourselves to that place that the God of peace can be with us. And so here's the reality, right? Isaiah 26.3 says this. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind are steadfast, listen, because they trust in you. 
And we have to put our trust in God. We have to put our trust in who he is and what he's trying to accomplish for us. Because, listen, peace is found when we surrender to the Lord. But you can only surrender to the Lord once you've done all the steps that we've given you today. There's a story by C.S. Lewis written in 1939, and a part of the story is this. I'm going to give it to you, right? And it says this as we wrap up today. It says, the junior devil asked Satan, what is the plan? And Satan replied, our plan is very simple. We will make the noise of man's world so loud that he can no longer hear the voice of God. That was written in 1939. It seems like they accomplished that. That's why we got to get intentional about the way we think. So how do we do it? Let me give this to you. How do, how do I change it? I, I was thinking again about my, the, the chaotic joy ride road trip that I took with all those people that didn't know how to be quiet. Because you're listening to your favorite song and when someone starts talking to you, now you got to start it over because it wasn't favorite enough. You know, like, why are you talking right now? We are in this moment, right? So I, I would remember being on the road trip and again, like uh, I'm speeding up and the volume gets louder and this is happening and that's happening and this is happening and those things are happening and, then, and the person's talking and the cell phone game and the bed. And finally I reached up and hit this. I just hit the power button and like shut the whole thing down. But here's the deal. Our life doesn't have a power button. You don't get to just turn off your thoughts. But you can turn them down. So you don't turn them off and once and for all you're done. You got to wake up each day and focus on what you're going to listen to and turn down the things that keep showing up. Because how many of you guys know they just show up? Anybody not giving your thoughts permission and they just kind of do what they want? And that's what we're talking about. Here's what you got to do. Stop looking for an on-off switch and focus on the volume of your thoughts. Because some of you, you're running yourself in circles trying to find a way to turn them off. You're not going to turn them off. So what you got to do, you got to focus on the volume of your thoughts. And I'm ending with this question that I want you to think about. If we've gotten to where we are without having control of our thoughts, if we've, they're going to throw it up on the screen. If we've gotten to where we are without having control of our thoughts, imagine how much more God will do in our lives and in others when we take control of them. So if we've gotten to here without having control of our thoughts and we're just kind of letting them run rampant, imagine how much more God will do in us and in others when we actually take control of our thoughts. Man, we could help change a lot of worlds, including our own. And so let's get ready to do it together, amen? Let's pray today. Father, we thank you and we love you. We're so grateful for you. So God, today I pray right now, Father, that you would God, move in the hearts of all of us, God, that need our thoughts to be realigned. Help us see what it is you're trying to accomplish in our lives. And Father, as we do that, God, we know that a place of surrender helps us, God, not only just rest and find peace, but God, that actually starts with our attitude of gratitude. It actually starts by praying about it more than we complain about it. It actually starts with, God, getting into focus about our output. God, it starts with all those things, meditating way more than it is, God, just about hoping. So let's transform our thoughts. Help us come before you. We thank you today and we love you. In Jesus' name, if you're here in this room and you need 
you, you want God to transform your thoughts. You want him to change your thoughts. But if you were honest, you would say, I, I want him to change how I think, but I got, I, he, he's got to, he needs to be the Lord of my life before he just helps me change my thoughts. I don't just need him to change how I think. I need him to change my whole life. Today, if you're here and that's where you're at, and I, I want to invite you to the place where you say yes to Jesus to be in the Lord of your life. And here's the beauty of the gospel. The Bible says we've all sinned. We all have sin in our lives. And when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for our sins. And today, to be forgiven, you don't have to go to great lengths. You have to put your faith, your belief in a God that died for you. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid for your sins. And today, if you want to be forgiven, all it says is we put our faith in Jesus. And after we put our faith in Jesus, we repent of our sins and we turn away from that life. And today, if you're ready to say yes to that, I want to invite you to say this prayer with me. And this prayer is just a declaration that you're putting your faith in Jesus. And so I want to invite you to pray and the whole, pray with, the whole church will pray with you. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me my sins. Forgive me of my wrongs. I believe in you. I believe you died for me. So I give you my life. Make me brand new. Give me a fresh start. And I worship you and I'll follow you forever. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. See, so let's give it up for all those that prayed that today. We celebrate with you. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening today. To make sure you never miss a message, be sure to subscribe to our channel. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave us a review. If you want to connect with us on Instagram or Facebook, just search at Transformation Pensacola. More information about our church or to contact us, feel free to go to mytc.life. MyTC.life is also where you can partner with us financially, and we would love it if you would consider doing just that, as your financial support is a key factor in helping our content channels grow. So I want to invite you to join us next time for another message from one of our pastors as we see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. I pray you have a blessed day.